0: Let us now turn to the same Gospel of John, this time chapter 15, verse 11 to 13. Chapter 15, verses 11 to 13. Focusing and reflecting this Good Friday on what I'm calling the surpassing love. Of Christ. The surpassing love of Christ. John 15, verse 11 to 13. I am the true vine. I apologize, verse 13. I was in verse 1. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 12 and 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends let's pray grateful for your word we do ask that you will bless the preaching and the listening to the same that you will cause us to love him more and to love one another better call to salvation the lost encourage the saved may the call of good friday be heeded by each one of us do this for your glory through your son the Lord Jesus Christ amen the surpassing love of Christ the German preacher whose death was commemorated yesterday who died during the Nazi Germany was under persecution, and the only crime he committed was that he was ministering the gospel underground to many Germans as well as Jews. He died two days before that war came to a close. He died for the cause of the gospel, and his death was commemorated on Thursday. It was commemorated on Thursday, Wednesday, if my memory serves me well, not because he died for our sins, not because he died in our place, but because he died in the cause of the gospel. Well, today, Friday, We're celebrating, we're remembering a death much more important than that death of that pastor, important as it was, the death of Christ. But we're remembering this death in the context of how it expresses his love for us. In the context of John 15 and verse 13, greater love has no one than this, the surpassing love of Christ. To the Sunday school children that are listening to the same, and parents, I encourage you to help them answer the first question, what is our title for this evening's sermon? What is the title for this evening's sermon? The Surpassing Love of Christ. The Surpassing Love of Christ is what we are considering. John 15 is generally agreed, and the whole chapter 15, we're down to chapter 16, that Christ here is actually addressing His disciples during the period of the Last Supper the night in which he was betrayed. So he's just about to die, and as it were, he's giving his farewell sermon. What he was addressing was that which was to do with the last sermon, if you may call it that way. Verse 12 and 13 is in the context that is reflecting on self-sacrifice as the spring of Christian joy. Self sacrifice as the spring of Christian joy. Here is what the Savior tells us in verse 11 These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full, that your joy may be overflowing, but it is in the context of self-sacrifice. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, but how have I loved you? I have loved you sacrificially, I have loved you to death, and that's what you are to imitate. There is no love that ever surpassed, that surpasses, and that will surpass the love of Christ. No human being, no institution, no government, no non-governmental organization, no minister of the gospel will ever love you to the extent which Christ loved loves and will ever love you. His love is all time surpassing. So there is no love that ever surpassed. There is no love that surpasses today. There will be no love that will surpass in future the love of Christ. As the answers to the questions will answer from John 15, verse 12 and 13 will demonstrate. We'll ask three questions, and those questions and the answers we provide to the questions will demonstrate that the love of Christ is the surpassing love that has ever been. Question one, what is the text affirming? Sunday school children, the question simplified, what is verse 13 and verse 12 teaching us? What is verse 13 and verse 12 teaching us? Again, parents, I trust that you're listening with your children. Please, if the question is complicated, explain it for them. What is the text affirming? The answer to that question is simply this. Verse 12 and 13 is teaching us that the love of Christ is the greatest. Verse 13 is teaching us that the love of Christ is the greatest. So what is the text affirming? The greatness of the love of Christ. The greatness of the love of Christ. And here is what we read. Greater. Love has no one. And the reason we have the statement in a comparative sense, as though it's between two people, is because that is how far you can go. Christ is comparing, God is comparing his love and any other love categorized together. So it's between his love and any other. If we are to push it and ask of many loves, we must say no greatest love has anyone than the love of Christ. Greater love has no one. Notice the all-inclusiveness of all the loves. Greater love has no single individual, no single being, whether it's angel, whether it's human being, or if there are other beings that exist, all their love put together. No greater love has anyone than the love of Christ. Greater love has no one than this. This is a general preposition. It's a general statement that is true, that if you are to ask yourself, is my love for any Christian greater than that of Christ? Absolutely not. World over it is acknowledged that the supreme evidence of love that is A person would ever give. The measure of the highest form of love acknowledged in the world is basically that a person would voluntarily give up his own life or her life for the sake of his friends. Here is a question to the husbands that are listening. Can you die for your wife? Wives, can you die for your husbands? For us to die in the place of any family member, are you sure you love them so much to do that? Well, the highest standard of love that can ever be expressed is a voluntary willingness to die in the place of someone. And that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples and all of us that are listening. This Good Friday is basically affirming, he's teaching us that that his love is the greatest. And because of this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He died for us. He demonstrated his love in the highest possible divine way designed ever. We read this affirmation in First John chapter 3, verse 16, by this we know that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. How do we know that he loves us? How do we know how to love others? Well, Christ died for us. This verse affirms the fact that Jesus Christ died in our place. And this was explored last year when we're considering Peter And in the Lord's days, it's a substitutionary death. He's dying as a substitute. He's dying in the place. He's taking the place that we should have taken. So he is being replaced. He is replacing us. You are the two that is being taken away from four. And Jesus is that two that is taking your place. Verse 13 means for the benefit Not only is it his abstitutionary death, but he's dying so that we profit from his death. That we benefit from his death. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for. For, not only in the sense of in, but for his friends, for the benefit of his friends, for the profit, for the good of his friends. Jesus died so that those for whom he died would benefit from his death, but also he died in their place. As you celebrate this Good Friday, this Easter period, please remember there is somebody who loves you the most. There is somebody that would go to the furthest to demonstrate his love for you. There is somebody who did not even hold on to his own life. Instead, he died in your place even though he was innocent. Even though he had committed no sin, even though he did not deserve to die, you deserve to die, I deserved to die. But Christ, to demonstrate his love for you, died in your place and for your good. And obviously, the question is, how grateful are you? How grateful are you? God permitting, this Lord's Day, I am hoping to ask the question in the context of coronavirus, why should we pray that God does not take you by Corona? Why should you be spared? Well, in this context, how grateful are you? How grateful are you for the one who took your place, who died? for your benefit. That was question number one, what is verse 13 affirming, what is it teaching us? The third question to my dear friends, the Sunday school children, we've had two questions so far. The first one, what's the title? The second one, what is it teaching us from verse 13? The third one. What makes the love of Christ the greatest? What makes the love of Christ the greatest? And by way of dealing with our questions in this context, it's really our second question. What makes the love of Christ the greatest? Firstly, it is the one that is giving it. It is the one that is giving this love. And in this passage, the speaker is Christ. And the one that is giving this love, or sharing this love, making this love available in the best way God has thought through, is God himself. If God loves you, that matters the most. Because inevitably in this life, in this world, unfortunately even in church life, not everyone will love you. Some people will hate you for the fact that you do good. So if you think by doing good everybody will love you, you're obviously illusioned. Some people hate you, obviously, if you do wrong. Some people hate you simply because of how you look. Some people will not love you because of the vehicle you drive. Some people hate you simply because you don't have one. If God hates you, if you're an enemy of God, you are in the worst situation you can ever be. But in the text, we're being told that this love is the greatest because of the one who loves. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends. So I'm talking about you, friends. And in the context, he's directly talking to the disciples. But as we read Hebrews, he's not ashamed. You call us his brothers, but we his friends as well. And that as you read the scriptures, God calls certain men his friends. So the source of this love makes it greatest because of who loves us. President Lungu loves you. That's good. If Adora Celia loves you, that's good, I guess. But if they didn't, and God loved you, that matters the most. What makes this love the greatest? In case, my friends, you missed the answer, it is this, one, because of the one who loves us. Just like you appreciate the love of dad and mom, uncle and auntie, cousin and big brother, you love that, or big sister? Well, you need to be asking yourself as a young girl or boy, does God love you? And have you accepted his love for you? In other words, he died for your sins. Have you gone to this God through his son? And you've said, Jesus, you died for me. I would like to experience your love. And I would like to experience it from you. The source of this love makes it great. But there is a second reason. The extent of this love makes it great. Not only the source, but the extent. It was to a, the point of dying. It is Christ literally, physically breathing his last enduring the pain, experiencing the beatings, the piercing that we read about and the fulfillment of the scriptures. But he's doing this to demonstrate that he loves you. Like I indicated, the highest expression of love is someone dying for you. As far as I know, I've not heard of anyone yet dying for somebody, literally because the somebody they were dying for was terribly bad, and they felt bad that the bad person was dying, and so the good guy died. Well, that's what Jesus is doing. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends you are my friends. And there is a qualifier there, if you do what I command you. What makes this love great is the extent to which God went to show that he loves you. I know if you are married, that one of the things you did, sometimes you took your fiancé you planning to marry. Hopefully you did. Even if it's the last 50 quacha you had, you bought Coca-Cola or ice cream or whatever pizza it was and it was your last and you went and slept hungry. The reason you went that far, the reason you spent the last coin was because hopefully you love them. You love them. Why do people stand under trees even when it's raining, boy and girl? Because of love. Rain is no much. Jesus went to the highest, furthest, deepest extent to show his love. Jesus shows in this verse 13 how far his love went and how great a sacrifice it made. His love was a self-sacrificing love, even to the point of death. Christ proved the greatness of His love by being ready. And not simply being ready, but actually dying for you and for me. It is impossible for love to be demonstrated further than this. There is no greater love than willingness to die for those we love. Love for a friend reaches its highest peak when one willingly sacrifices his or her life for that friend. The most or greatest or maximum a person can do for a friend is to die for him or her. That's what Jesus did. Well, there is a third reason. There is a third fact that makes this love the greatest. It's the recipients. The people who are benefiting from this love. Generally, it's the undeserving. He calls them friends. Not because there is something good about them to compel him, to make them his friends. They are his friends because he's decided to make wretched, sinful, wicked, bad people. He's reconciled them. He's brought them before his father. He's befriended them. Generally in life generally in life, we love good people. We love good people. We generally don't love bad people. But this love is great, not because it's a love given to good people. It's love unconditional. It's love undeserved. It's love graciously passed. On to undeserving. The recipients or beneficiaries of this love, friends of Christ. But they are friends not because they are in his league. We are never equal. We are not at par. We are not comrades with Christ. He calls us friends, but we relate to him reverently. But the scriptures do not end here. The people to whom he demonstrated this love are described further as his enemies. This love is expressed. It is dying not for his friends only, but for his enemies. Romans 5 verse 10. Romans 5 verse 10. For if we were enemies... We are reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Who are the people he's dying for in that text, Romans 5 verse 10? For if while we were enemies, he died for us. So that would be reconciled. Well, they are described further as sinners. Romans 5, 6, and 8. Sinners, for while we are still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. What makes this love great? Because of the recipients, because of the extent, because of the source of this love. In Romans 5, 6 to 10, the death of Christ is viewed from the perspective of those to whom it was offered, sinners or enemies. The only reason you are a friend is because Christ reconciled you, but there is even a more important question. Are you sure you are reconciled to Christ? Are you sure you are saved? To my friends again, not a question you need to answer on that piece of paper, but a question I would like to you to answer in your hearts Is Jesus your friend? Is Jesus your friend? Jesus' love is in spite of who we are and the way we are, not because of who we are and the way we are. He loves us in spite of who we are and what we are. We are sinners and we enemies. He loves us. Listen to the text again. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And that one who died is Christ. The third question that we're answering and we conclude. What is the implication of verses 13 in connection to verse 12? What is the implication of verse 13 in connection with verse 12? Let's begin reading verse 13 and then we read verse 12. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So verse 12 and 13 are connected. Verse 12 is the exhortation. Verse 12 is telling us how we must relate to one another. Verse 13 is telling us to what degree And who is our model in that way of loving? Love one another. As disciples, we ask the question, how do we do that? And Jesus' answer is exactly the same way, I have loved you. However, I loved you, I went the furthest that we decided with my Father and the Holy Spirit is the best way to demonstrate our love for you. Therefore, verse 13 is a lesson regarding the measure and the degree of the love which Christians should have for one another. Listen to the verses again. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So, here is how you love one another love one another. The way I have loved you, or but how have I loved you, I laid down my life for you. And then verse 14 is going to be a test. You say you are my friend, and being my friend is going to involve your loving one another, but that's in the overall setting where you are my friends if you do. What I command you, what has immediately commanded, love one another. How are you to love one another the same way I have loved you? Here is the question this Good Friday is posing before you. How loving are you? When you think of the death of Christ, it has implication on how you relate to one another. Disciples are not merely to be attached to each other devoted to each other, or help to each other, they are to love each other as Christ loves them the very highest level. We are to love one another's sense with the motives and purposes as those of Christ. This is what Good Friday reminds us of, Christ's love and loving as Christ loved. We read earlier in 1 John 3, 16, regarding this connection or implication. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Notice that Jesus is not asking us to do what he has not done. He is exhorting us to love as he does, and has done literally before, He has obeyed his father. He calls us to obey him. He has loved his father. He calls us to love one another. Here is what we read in John 15 verse 9. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This loving I'm showing, I've lent it from someone. You also learn it from me as my father has loved me. Just in the same way my father has loved you, it is in the same way I have loved you. And there is the continuous comparative sense, in the same way love one another. It's a chain reaction. The father has loved the son. The son loves his disciples. Where the disciples are to love one another, what is, that's the reminder of Good Friday. The relationship between the father and the son is again the paradigm for the relationship between the son and the believer. Jesus is saying, lay aside all selfish ambitions and ill will of any kind. Wish each other well and work for what is best for one another. This is my commandment. To love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one done this that someone laid down his life for his friends. My question as we close is simply this, or several questions. The most important of all is this. Are you sure you are a friend of Christ? Are you sure you are a Christian? He died for sinners to reconcile them to his father that peace between us and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would be established. That's what Good Friday, that's what the death of Christ reminds us of. Are you sure you are a friend? Secondly, does Good Friday remind you on how you relate with one another? How do you relate as a couple? How do you relate as a family? How do we relate at Indola Baptist Church? The standard of our love is not who we are. It's not what we are. It's what Christ has set as a standard. We say we are in Christ, the standard of loving one another is the standard that Christ has shown us, sacrificial. But it's the love from him, not because of anything else. Lastly, if Christ loved sinners, Christ loved enemies, he came down and reached out to them, put in mission language, he was on a mission to come and save enemies and sinners. Is that your passion? Good Friday is a reminder that there are people still lost that must be made friends with Christ, and that we need to announce to them that He died in their place for their benefit. They only need to go to Him. They would be saved. Please, let's love one another. Let's love Christ. Let's love the lost. We'll invite the praise team to lead us in our closing hymn, which is hymn number 70. As you meditate on the love of Christ, how deep the Father's love for us. But before they do, let's pray together. Grateful for your word. Thank you that Christ died. Thank you that he calls us friends. That he died for us while we are still sinners, wicked and enemies of the cross. But that very cross is what brings about reconciliation. So be pleased to save. Grant us a glorious opportunity to meet in the morrow. Worship you as we continue to reflect on your death. We ask in the one whose death we celebrate today, Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen.